Welcome to the 168 Podcast, bringing you the best in fitness, health, and all things in between, with your host, Parissa. Hi guys, it's Parissa from 168, and welcome to another episode of the 168 Podcast. I'm super excited today. Uh, I am sitting here with Sunny Webster, absolute legend. Thank you for your time. No problem at all. Thank you for having me. No worries. I, uh, I have lots of things I wanted to talk to you about and pick your brains about. Um, not that I think you need an introduction, <laughs> but I'm going to give you one anyway. Let's do it. 2016 Olympic Games highlight, career highlight. Definitely. Multiple Commonwealth Games, World Championships, 15 years of weightlifting experience. You've been coaching, competing, you know, doing seminars around the world. I think... What stuck out for me is I started weightlifting in 2015 and when I started it probably wasn't as big as it is now. I got into it through CrossFit as so many weightlifters have. Um, And in my eyes, you have managed to just put weightlifting out into mainstream. Like you've made it popular, not just amongst weightlifters and and CrossFitters, but fitness goers in general um, through your social media and through your platforms um, and and just the knowledge and, and the education that you're bringing out to people has been so much fun. You've done it in such a fun way, um, you know, the content that you put out. Thank you. That's all right. Is it something that you, like, was it planned? Was it... That was... Intentional? Yeah, or? I mean, that for me was always the goal. Um, weightlifting, when I first started in 2011, was a very small sport. There was only four gyms in the whole of the UK that were renowned as weightlifting gyms. CrossFit wasn't even really a thing back then. I hadn't heard of it until 2012. And, you know, it it was a very different place to where it is now. And I remember very early on in in my weightlifting career, probably in the first three to six months of starting weightlifting, and my first coach turned around to me and said, Sonny, if there's one thing you do, in this sport just try and leave it in a better place than when you found it and that's always been my goal and I think with everything that I do now knowing that that is the underlying reason why I do what I do it gives me motivation each day to continue doing that and weightlifting was it always needed a change it always needed something you know different to be brought into the 21st century because from an outsider looking into weightlifting or someone who had not heard of the sport and would to research it, there's very little about the sport until you've done it that you can relate to. You've got obscene superhero people lifting weights that you can't comprehend. You get an insight into a fraction of a second of their performance Mm -hmm. and know nothing about what's happened um, behind the scenes for them to even at that point and that's what was really important for me throughout my career. And, you know, I've been on social media for a long time now. Um, I've always wanted to attempt to show people really what goes into being a weightlifter. But not only that, make weightlifting accessible and relatable to more people. Yeah, which I think it is so much more now than what it was even just a few years ago. For sure. And uh- a lot of that comes down to, to CrossFit, you know. Um, when I first heard about CrossFit, there was a lot of talk in the weightlifting community about what's this new sport? They're doing weightlifting with bad technique and 
Um, it's damaging to who we are and what the sport is. And I kind of had a very different approach on my outlook on CrossFit from the start. And it was very simple for me because at the end of the day, you've got this extremely technical sport that people are now getting into and trying. Of course, they're going to be struggling, not using good technique and finding it difficult because it is difficult in its nature. And instead of me looking upon that as this is bad for the sport, I saw that as an amazing opportunity to help people we now had a huge audience that we never had before that we're taking an interest in weightlifting and i'm in a position where i can help all these people instead of actually uh, making fun of them or playing down on this sport yeah and there there was nothing wrong with that you know at the end of the day i don't expect even now when i have people that come to me and go sunny i want to be a weightlifter to be good of Mm. course you're not going to be great i wouldn't be great if i started you know a technical sport in the first time I've ever tried it. And that's normal. And that was the difference, I think, with, with my approach and why I'm so fortunate now to have um, a lot of people that support me and follow my journey is because um, I was embracing of CrossFit and really enjoyed the community aspect of it. Yeah. And I think you're one of a um, few figures that I know of that have embraced CrossFit and the community um, and, you know, trying to bring the two sports together um, whereas you're right you get a lot of feedback sort of pushing back on crossfitters and and with that approach of they're bringing down the sport so I think it's really really important um, to have that approach of you know what it's getting more people into the sport it's a sport we love Um, there's so many benefits I mean it changed my life Mm. um, and had it not been for crossfit I would have never picked up a barbell so exactly and that's the that's the case for so many people you know they come into crossfit they're introduced to a bar in a much friendlier environment than you would do walking into a weightlifting gym people start to enjoy training with the barbell more than they do sitting on a salt bike for 10 minutes and to the point they kill themselves yeah and (laughs) You know, they then go, you know what, I actually just want to do the barbell side. And it's so nice that, you know, we're getting more and more people drawn into using a barbell in their training and learning the snatch and the clean and jerk through the sport of CrossFit. Yeah. Um, and people then fall in love with it. And, you know, I'm sure every person listening right now knows the feeling of when they hit a good lift. And you can't explain it to people who don't do weightlifting, but it's a euphoric feeling yeah. that just makes you want more. Yeah. And that's what brings us back each day every time we train because we're chasing that feeling every time we do a lift. Yeah. And it's absolutely addictive because it's so hard to get that. I mean, do you ever get a perfect lift? Do you ever get a perfect snatch or a perfect clean and jerk? It's it's that constant chase and and striving to get better and better and better. And I don't think that feeling ever ends. It never goes away because you're... No, of course. And that's one one of the things that I love about the sport is me and you can lift together um i may lift have a lot more weight than you do but at the end of the day it's it's you versus the bar and you know you share that journey with someone else in terms of the um the disappointment of missing a lift and the successes of making a new pb whether your pb is 30 or my pb is 130 yeah um the feeling remains the same and you go on your that your journey against the barbell every single time you train and it's not impacted by anyone else there's nothing no one can stand in front of you and jump up and down and wave their hands to distract you it's you versus the barbell 
and that's something that's really lovely about the sport of weightlifting because it means that anyone can participate it in it and train the exact same would that an elite athlete would 100 percent. you started weightlifting when you were 11, 11 yeah. and so do you get a lot of young kids or parents of young kids wanting wanting these kids to start their weightlifting journey whether it's just to learn more about the sport or whether it's to improve another sport whether it be you know whatever it is sprinting athletics yeah i think that it still remains that stigma around using weightlifting um to improve performance in other sports to develop explosive power Hmm. speed um strength in all sorts of positions which you know automatically you think well yeah, that would help me in a lot of different sporting scenarios. But there's still that stigma around co- uh, strength coaches don't like to either teach Olympic weightlifting because they don't necessarily know how to teach it well enough mm-hmm. or they say it's too technical for my athletes to be able to do, so we avoid it at all costs. Yeah. And that's one of the main things that my life goals are to do is to break down that, you know, no, as a coach, you can successfully get your athletes to do this. Yeah. You just need to use a different style of coaching the sport, which is, you know, what I promote to simplify and make it easy for people to understand. Yeah. And by making it easier, it allows more people to use it and reap the benefits of training Um, with a barbell to improve their performance. With regards to children or parents coming to me and going, I want my kids to do weightlifting, it's a really difficult question to to answer because I've been full circle as that young kid who had dreams of going to the Olympic Games, achieved my goal and then come out the other side. And that took 15 years. And I know the determination, the dedication that needs to go in to do that. And you'll dedicate 10, 15 years of your life in a sport like weightlifting that has very little support, very little acknowledgement. It's not high paying. You don't earn any money from doing Olympic weightlifting. To, on the flip side, really, it's a very selfish endeavor and success. And... It's so hard for me to, when you've got an eager kid that obviously is inspired by what I do and goes, I want to be a weightlifter. Mm. And I'm like, I would love you to be a weightlifter too. But the reality is the reward at the end isn't like, it it, it isn't like what, you know, you're experiencing. Maybe you see that I have or because for most people, when they come out the other side of the sport, it's like, right, well, you know, I have to get a job or. You know, it's not fame, money, or all the things that you would get in football or rugby or another sport. Yeah, yeah. basketball. Any of these sports that would have so much more, um, you know, of a career from them. You don't get that in weightlifting. Yeah. So it is difficult um, to honestly go, yeah, dedicate 10 years of your life to being a weightlifter. It's going to be a really hard journey. Mm -hmm. And at the end of it, you're not going to have much else to show for it other than your personal <laughs> personal your achievements. achievements yeah. And, you know, on the flip side, when you think about it then, you're like, would you really want to get your kid to do Get this? Involved in it, yeah. And it's sad because I don't want to ever, you know, be the one to limit someone's dreams because I'm a true believer that, you know, you can make money out of anything if you really 
if you really love it enough. Yeah. But it's not as clear cut as it is in a lot of other sports. Yeah. And I think a lot of that is down to the fact that with social media, we're always painted the the best scenario or the highlight reel yeah. of what a sports journey looks like. And people see that and they go, I want that. Mm. Whereas they don't realize in the back end all of the hard work, the grueling training sessions, the, the sacrifice. sacrifices that you make in order to, to get there. And it's partly, you know, people like myself's fault, influences' fault for not really, you know, showing as much of the disappointments and the sadness and the sacrifices as we could mm. because you're constantly trying to show people the best of the everything. Best. Yeah. And it puts people, I guess, in a false sense of reality as to what a lifestyle might look like as a as an athlete. Yeah, and it's and you're right. In weightlifting, it's completely different to so many other sports. Yeah. Um, so what? I, this wasn't something I was I was uh, going to dive into, but if if you don't mind talking about it, what kind of sacrifices as a professional athlete, as a full time athlete, and and starting from such a young age? Yeah. Um, you know, a lot, a lot of people that get into it a little bit older, maybe do it for a shorter period of time, mm-hmm. won't know or won't understand what kind of sacrifices you're making yeah. as a professional athlete. Um, yeah, I think for me, I only really reflected on it more now as an, as an adult of the things that I missed out on when I was younger. And just before I take you back through those sacrifices even asking me now would I change change it the answer would be no but on reflection I do realize there was a lot of things that I missed out on when I was younger to achieve my dreams and I remember from a very early age age 11 12 I can count from secondary school how many times I spent lunchtime in the playground you know every lunchtime for me was was training Um, I couldn't go out with my friends to parties. I, you know, was away so much. I couldn't have relationships. And I'd sacrificed so much from a social side when I was younger in order to do what I wanted to do. But by the age of 16, I'd traveled to most continents in the world, competing for my country. And again, for what that added to me as a a young adult was priceless and would I trade up my time in the playground to have experienced that yes every day of the week Mm. so there's always a flip side to a sacrifice at the end of the day you'll maybe not fill up one cup so much but make huge gains in the other and I mean from a young age even when it comes to having a girlfriend that was something that was very difficult because at the end of the day that person was always second best in my life because weightlifting was always a priority Mm -hmm. and you know I think it was opportunity to try new sports try lots of things and that's something that I'm a big believer of you know I think when I advise younger people now is go out and try everything experience as much as you possibly can Mm -hmm. whereas there was probably a lot of things that I didn't experience at a young age that I could have because there was always in the front of my mind is this going to affect me being good at what I do yeah you know at a young age I was already so health conscious about what I was eating holding my body weight down things that I worried about at 15 16 you should not worry about as a kid yeah and it was a lot of stresses in that sense I think as when we talk about sacrifices that I made 
but there's also experiences that I shouldn't have had at that age because mm. of how dedicated I was to my sport. But then I look at now, again, on the flip side of that, the type of person that I am, I think it's really helped shape who I am today and the things that I've experienced are, you know, have made me who I am, really. Yeah. So for every sacrifice, as much as you think, oh, yeah, that's, that must have been hard, I've gained a lot on the back end of it. Mm-hmm. And that's why I think it's easy for me to sit here and say I don't regret anything that I've done because it's paid out tenfold yeah. at the other end. Yeah. Um, I just don't think that that would be something that you would expect from someone that young. And I think it takes a special kind of person with, with certain character to be able to, to do it for the long run. Yeah, but, uh, you know, I was, I was chatting about this the other day with on another podcast, actually, and we were saying, like, you know, it takes people years to decide really what they want to do, what they're passionate about and what they love. Whereas at 12 years old, I knew I wanted to go to Olympic Games. Most people when they're at age don't have a clue what they want to do most people leave uni and have studied four years and still really don't know what they want to do and I was very fortunate to have that at that age but I think in society now people are so worried about needing to know what they're going to do with their lives that it's almost paralyzing in a sense because you you get so built up and stressed about needing to know where your life's going that you don't actually enjoy the experience of just life and enjoying what you have right now and you know to anyone that's even listening this you might be thinking you know yeah that that's me I don't have a clue what I want to do do not worry you know everything that you currently experience and go through in life is part of you working out what you don't like and what you do like and one day you'll go brilliant I now know what I want to do and I think, again, on that note, so many things that, you know, the things that make you smile and make you excited and the things that you're passionate about, you think, well, I can't make a living out of flowers. You could. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or you might, love, you might love ice cream. Yeah. Fine. Go make a business around ice cream. There's, there's no right or wrong answer to what you want to spend your life doing. Yeah. You've just got to really have the passion and as long as that is there and the desire to make a living from it is there you'll be great and you will achieve that and you know I think that so many people go well you know I want to be rich so I need a job that's going to pay me a lot so I'm going to do I'm going to be a lawyer or I'm going to be a doctor because I want a lot of money whereas in fact that's not the case and you can achieve everything that you want from whatever you want as long as you have that passion and desire to do it yeah absolutely did it did it take long to come to this realization that it's the passion or was that something that like at age 11 12 you're going I'm going to the Olympics you knew that that was your yeah I I knew from a a sporting sense but when I think about my sporting sense and now where I am in terms of my career I didn't have a clue even up to probably a year after the Olympics that I would make a living out of Olympic weightlifting. Yeah. And p- probably most people would have laughed at me if I had said that even prior to, to now, really, in the last few years. Because yeah. I think, 
you're never going to make a penny out of weightlifting. I always was told that when I was younger, you're never going to get rich doing weightlifting. But why not? Why can't you, you know? And at the end of the day, people buy into the person, not what you're selling, Mm -hmm. you know? If you, like, I I bought a screen car wash the other day Mm. at a petrol station. This kid came up to me, he's probably 16 years old, and he knew so much about this product. He was so passionate about it. He told me how it was going to impact and change my <laughs> life in my car. How can you say no? Exactly. But yeah. I was just so inspired by his passion that I bought it. Yeah. Cool. I didn't care about the product. Yeah. But that's at the end of the day, people buy into you. Yeah. They don't give it. Like, at the end of the day, there's 100 people out there selling the same product. Yeah. That's not what's important. It's yeah. the person that's selling it. Yeah. And I think, again, coming back to your social media and the content that you've put out, you've there's there's a le- level of trust. People that follow you, there, there's that level of trust. There's that connection people have with you, and um, this sort of brings me on to the mobility manual. And this is something that I wanted to talk about because, as a as a coach and as a gym owner, it's something you know you and I know the importance of it. And we were chatting about this before. Mm-hmm. Um, we started recording. We know how important it is. I try and drill it into my guys all the time, and and you've you've managed to just to just capture capture your audience, and you know they they believe you because it's true. It's that you you know you've made this connection. You're telling people how important this is and what a difference it's going to make to their lifting, and and something that so many other people have failed to do, myself included. <laughs> you've done such a good job at it and you're continuing to do such a good job at it it's it's a huge part of weightlifting mobility something that i don't think gets focused on probably as much as it should would you yeah i i didn't realize myself the importance of it because it was never a pain point for me when i started weightlifting like i said i was 11 years old you've got a kid how easy do they sit in the bottom oh of the squat yeah. yeah you look at them and go bastard Damn i want to <laughs> When Perfect. you're yeah, Perfect when you're stuff. younger, like mobility or range of motion isn't a pain point. And it wasn't until I began to travel around the world at all these CrossFit gyms I would go to, and I'd done over 120 seminars in all these different continents, the same thing every single time that people struggled with was movement, yeah. range of motion, coordination. As an adult, there's so many people that, you know, don't know how to you put their limbs in positions because they haven't done sport when they're younger and it was always the biggest pain point whenever I worked with people was they can't get into the positions Mm -hmm. and I purely put that down to the fact and this is where weightlifting coaching changed for me or my outlook on it massively changed is because we're no longer working with the 11 year old that has no bad habits that has great range of motion good flexibility picks up tuition easily i'm nine times out of ten working with the 20 to 30 year old or even the 30 to 40 year old that hasn't done a lot of fitness they've come into the gym they've fell in love with crossfit and now they want to learn weightlifting they have a desk job they have two kids Mm -hmm. and they don't have to do a lot of activity The process in which I have to take that person through versus the 11-year-old that's come to my weightlifting club and wants to be a great weightlifter are two completely different things. And that's what differs between my coaching style and a lot of weightlifting coaching style. 
is because at the end of the day, the approach is they're two worlds apart. Yeah. And mobility and moving well is a huge part of that difference. Mm-hmm. And whenever we're looking at, you know, bringing someone in and trying to get them to be a great athlete, it's like, what are the things that are restricting them? That's going to come up on the high on the list. Mm-hmm. That's what we're going to spend a lot of time focusing on and working. Yeah. And it is a prerequisite. If someone comes to me and wants to be a weightlifter, you need to be able to do these five things before I'm going to let you touch a barbell. Yeah. Which for a lot of people is, it's the it's it's not the sexy thing that they want to hear. It's no, I just, of course you know, not. It's, it's, but it's the it's, important stuff. It's the important stuff, and people don't like to hear it. But at the end of the day, like we were saying a moment ago, for me, like if I could guarantee someone a hundred kilo snatch or a hundred and twenty kilo snatch, if they gave me six months of their time, they would look at me and laugh and go, "There's no way I'm gonna." get 100 kilo snatch 120 kilo snatch but I've got people that are doing it because they've been through that process but you have to take those steps back in order to take the steps forward which ego comes into a huge part of that especially in a environment where you're training and there's people lifting more than you and you want to beat them or be the best it's natural when Mm -hmm. you're in an environment to automatically want to be the best person within the environment it's built into us yeah (laughs) like there's who we are that competitive streak. yeah as humans that's that's what we do and you know it's having to put that to one side and go you know what no i know my weaknesses are are different to bobs that i train with yeah you know, Bob's 20 years younger than me yep. and he's been doing this 10 years longer. He's going to have different struggles than I've got. Yep. And that's one of the most difficult things I'm sure that you'll agree with me as a, as a CrossFit coach is the fact that you'll have 20 people in a room. They're all about to do the same program, but they're all at completely different levels and different standards. And yep. You know, it's it's difficult because you're in a class environment to purely give the people the the specific stuff that they need to be good. But I'm sorry, that's not your job as a coach. Mm. You know, it's the each individual that walks into your class's job to work out what their weaknesses are and mm. take their own time to go and correct them. Yeah. You know, and your performance doesn't end or start when you walk in the gym and walk out the gym as an athlete Mm -hmm. it's the stuff that you're going to do outside of that time working on your own weaknesses that means when you come back to the environment when you're in a class you're going to be better each time yeah and i would say that that time you spend outside of the gym is more important than that that one hour that you're doing in class like it's the little extras and the bits and pieces you're doing outside of class that are going to make a world of difference. A hundred percent, and that's what people don't realise, you know. You're only going to get so good if you're just participating in classes. Um, and that's not to say that a class environment isn't good for every athlete, because I do believe that it's great from um, a social point of view and an opportunity to measure yourself, which is healthy. Mm-hmm. Um, but then take that away and still have time where you're working on, on your own stuff too. Yeah. Have you noticed, and I've, and I've seen um, more recently, I think, on a lot of your Instagram stories, people approaching you, and one of the recurring questions I've seen pop up is, I'm X years old, 35, 40, 45. Is it too late to start? Do you get that a lot? It's, it's funny that you say that because I've just 
wrote out a tweet that I've posted on my Instagram and it reads life work relationships your determination and your priorities will stop you from being elite or good at something long before your age or your body will and it's exactly that it's because of those questions that constantly come into me from people that are now discovering sport and go can I be good at this you're 26 how I'm 30 how can I be as good as you at that age but it's not your body that's the thing that's preventing you from being great and and that's the real thing of it it's it's like i said it's the sacrifice of of your lifestyle of you know work of all of these different things that have a will stop you from being good far beyond your body so there's not an age that you can't be elite i've got like i said so many 50 or 60 year olds that are lifting great moving well but yes, they do prioritize their training yeah. far above going to the pub and smashing 10 pints on a Saturday yeah. or, you know, maybe doing so much from a from a social side. And it's just finding finding that balance, I think, where your athletic performance sits a little bit higher than maybe some of the other things in your life. Yeah. And there's no right or wrong answer there for the person that you're asking that question. It's just like... It's not. Don't use your age as an excuse not to be great. Because yeah. if you truly want to be great, you can be great. You're At just going to have to sacrifice other parts of your life, yeah. and you'll have that decision whether you're prepared to do that or not. But don't then just step back and go, "Well, I couldn't be good because I'm 34." Yeah. No, <laughs> I'm not having that excuse. Yeah, we just had a lady this week join us um, in her early 50s, and she came to me in her first day. Um, she came in for a trial and she was like, I've been thinking about joining a gym for a while. Never, never had never mm-hmm. been to a gym, nothing, you know, two kids in their 20s. And she said, you know what, I've never done anything for myself. I just want to start. And I thought, CrossFit, you're starting with CrossFit. And she's, she's coming in. She's been in every day, that, you know, for the last week. And we, we tailor the workouts and we modify and you know we're working on her range before we same thing like you work on her range and her movement before we start loading and all that sort of stuff but every day I look at her I think you're starting exercise for the first time in your life in your 50s and like she just doesn't give a shit she comes in and gives it a go and does it at her own pace and it's it's inspiring to watch and you just want to kind of say to people exactly what you've just said like don't use your age as an excuse if it's what you want make it a priority make it happen yeah and it's exactly that and i was just in a when the uber here and i was chatting to the uber driver and he was like he's just got into fitness in the last two or three years he was probably about 50 years old as well but people realize and i think australians in general are very health conscious It's not like that everywhere else in the world, but people are coming around to the fact that, you know, fitness isn't just about looking good. It is for your health. Yep. By, and not only from a health point of view, from a physical, from a mental, mental as well. Yeah. And, you know, training is so much more than that. And people, when they get older now, are realizing that. And that's why you're seeing people at 50 go, well, fuck, I'm starting to ache when I'm getting out of bed or the stairs aren't as easy as they used to be. Mm -hmm. And they go, I need to get fit. Yeah. And it's survival of the fittest at the end of the day. And people do need to get into their training no matter what age they're doing, just purely because it's going to make you live longer and enjoy life much further if you feel strong and fit. 100%. You want to... 
yeah and it's, it's not about the the looks yeah yeah you it's longevity and it's it's quality of life and playing with your kids and your grandkids and yeah you know but sometimes people don't realize that until they're in the situation and go i want to go run around the park with my kids and i can't mm. fuck i've left it a bit too late yeah and you know that's fine too and you know there's ne- there's always progress to be made no matter if you're super overweight or extremely weak or have had you know other things in your life that prevented you from getting into your fitness journey before you'll start on on day one and you'll just attempt to be better than better on day two than you were on day one and just see how long that goes for and it's baby steps all the way until yeah that's it um you you touched on something earlier that i'd like to ask you a little bit about um you've been competing and and coaching and what have you for for the last 15 years and for a lot of I think professional athletes when that competition side of it ends there's that sense of identity that's almost lost and you know from the outside looking in you've got so many other things that you're working on and so many projects and there's big Friday supplies there's the moment Bill and Emmanuel is your online academy and all your seminars. I mean, hopefully post-COVID that can be up and running globally again. But yeah. um, I think you've done a, a really good job of of having these other, you know, projects and, and things to focus on and, and it's your career, you know what I mean? And yeah. I think for a lot of professional athletes... a struggle with that. There's yeah. a huge struggle. Yeah, I think you're right and, you know... The, the thing with that is when you get into sport at a young age and it's all you've ever known, it's everything you've ever been about, yeah. it becomes your identity. People think of me and they go, wait a thing. Yeah. Whereas, you know, that that's something that I'm really trying to work on at the moment because weightlifting has been a huge part of my life, but it doesn't define who I am. Mm-hmm. And there's so much about the lessons and stuff that I've learned from weightlifting that I now want to apply and take my passion that I have for my sport and give to different areas and give to other people. Mm. And that's really what I'm trying to do now with, you know, my ventures in Big Fridays for Supplies, for example. That's like a passion project because I love fashion and Mm. because I love my trainers. And that's an opportunity for me to express myself in another way yeah. and in every area of my different businesses that's essentially what's happening it's me expressing myself in different ways yeah. and taking my passion and putting them into other things and I've got so much more that I'm going to do and give to this world even way outside of weightlifting yeah. and it may take me 5 years or 50 years to do but it's easy for me to sit here and say that because like I said, I have the core values and morals about what I do and why I do it. Mm. And it doesn't matter whether you have a, a crap day, you feel down, depressed, demotivated. If you can sit down and go, why am I doing this? And still be able to answer it with the same answer, mm. you'll keep going. Yeah. The minute you lose track of your, your why, then that's when you'll lose motivation and probably never go back to doing something yeah and that means then that it doesn't matter if you you fail or something and there's so many more fails in 
than successes yeah. in any aspect of life yeah. and people need to realize that and it's totally cool mm-hmm. um to fail once you fall down and you fail from something if you know the why then it just becomes the learning process mm. that becomes just you learning a little bit more about how you're going to get to where you want to be and i think from the from the point of view of being able to take my passion and give that to other people that stems purely from the fact that at a young age i had someone i was given opportunity to achieve my dreams and that wasn't through just myself that was people my coach my sponsor you know people in my life helped me achieve my dream and i'm now in a position where i can help others achieve theirs and you can earn as much money in the world as you want you can't put a price tag on something on helping someone else achieve their dream yep. or and and that can be from the simplest sense of helping someone snatch 60 kilos if they've been desiring to do that their whole lives or helping someone go to olympic games and being part of someone's journey now is what fulfills me as a as a human mm-hmm. far beyond the success of making more money or whatever that's a byproduct of yep. me just doing what i do that's your why yeah of yeah. course um and okay so this brings me into my next question that i wanted to ask you, you your support crew whether it was as a young athlete as a business owner now how important is it to have whether it's one person or whether it's a team of people um you know i don't think any journeys is done on your own it's so much harder to have that support crew what a difference has that made it's it's massive and I think you know as an athlete when I was younger I felt the need to struggle alone or to do everything by myself and I came to a point I guess it was after I finished being an athlete when I realized my priorities changed Mm. and that okay I was finally ready to have other people in my life you know I've got Lindell in my life who's now very high on my priority list higher than weightlifting you know because that's now really important to me to nurture that relationship and it means a lot to me in the same way as my business does now and my friendships do now and they all probably sit slightly higher than what was previously weightlifting as like and my own performance was the highest possible thing and at times don't get me wrong that that changes and that pecking order changes in line with what my with my goals are yeah but once i worked that out and felt flexible with where my priorities were let more people into my life there's been so many people from you know my weightlifting coaches throughout my career that just believed in me and helped me um from a technical standpoint from a mental support standpoint um, I've got Jeff, who was the first guy ever sponsored me and believed in me, who's almost like my almost like my dad or my older brother. I speak to him every single day and have done for the last twelve years, and yeah. he saw my desire to achieve what I wanted to achieve, and he helped. Yeah. Um, my dad, my mum, my family when I was very young, you know, helped make me who I am, yeah. and. Even now, you know, as, as a business owner, which I think is the biggest telltale, I realized, like, probably last year that as things were growing and my time was spreading 
thinner and thinner, there was things that I was good at and things that I wasn't good at. And I think so often as business owners struggle and struggle and struggle to try and do every task within their business because either they can't afford to do it or they don't want to take the help and support to do it. And they suffer and suffer and potentially always suffer and probably don't achieve as much as they could do. Whereas, you know, I was sat down chatting. I'd take an hour out of my week every week to upskill myself. And I was chatting to this, the CEO of a e-commerce business because I want to improve my e-commerce for Big Friday supplies. Mm-hmm. And he sat and chatted to me for an hour. And at the end of the call, he goes, Sonny, like, what you're doing is amazing, but you don't sound like a CEO. He said, you sound like a, like a creative director. And I was like, fuck, this guy's right. Yeah. And I got off the call and hired a CEO. Wow. Um, I'm not the CEO of my businesses because I realized that my strength isn't in running businesses. My strength's in coaching people, creating content, um, the direction, you know? And so many times when people get into business, they go into it because they love, for example, gym owner. You get into it because you love CrossFit and you love training people. And before long, you realize that you're not doing the thing that you wanted to do when you got into it because you're busy now making sure that the building's maintained, that the rent's played, that the class schedule is done, (laughs) the toilets are clean. And you're like, hang on, why aren't I doing what I love doing anymore? And accepting that there's other people that will do jobs within your business better than you do is one of the top tips I've got for anyone that owns a business. Accept it pay the person and you stick at doing what you're great at doing and you'll end up ultimately making a hell of a lot more money yeah and the people that I've got now within my businesses my support crew are all absolutely amazing at what they do and it frees me up to do what I'm great at doing yeah and and that's ultimately what it's there for and don't get me don't get me wrong I'm probably still stretched thinner than I'd like to be yeah but I'm learning you know, I'm constantly learning. I'm constantly making better decisions after having made bad ones for ages. Yeah. And, you know, would I love to have known that three years ago? Yeah. Would I have taken that advice three years ago? Probably not. Yeah. You know, it's part of the process. It's part of the process. And everyone will learn at their own place. And you have to let people sometimes make their own mistakes yeah. in order to grow. And that's why my favorite quote that I've ever had is the biggest lessons you learn are when you lose. Yeah. Because that is is exact representation of that and people will go through their own process, their own journey. Yeah. Was it hard hiring a CEO? Was it Not hard at all. to... No. Not at all. It was great because it was Jeff. Okay. Oh, well, there and, you go. <laughs> um, and that was kind of, it was kind of really nice to... There was no one better in my life to take on that role. Jeff's a... Um, extremely successful multi-business owner in telecoms industry understands running big bigger businesses which is where mine mine are going now he understands his ability to communicate with people um, on a level is incredible and all the skills that he has was great but you know what it's nice that it's gone full circle because he helped me from that young little 15 year old boy that had a dream set up my help me set up my business and it feels like now I can finally almost repay the favor 
of what he's helped create yeah. in sense of he's always been a part of it but now he's really a part of it yeah. you know so it's really nice to uh, I didn't I didn't have second thoughts about it at all that's amazing mm. I want to go into the seminars so yep. we've got Sydney seminar coming up in April sold out yeah we've got another one coming up in June that you've got yeah what can people expect very can different. I, can yeah. I ask this question? Yeah, of, of, of course. And, you know, I, I attended a lot of seminars myself before I started doing seminars. And one of the things that I always found when I'd leave a seminar was that I'd have so much information that I'd almost feel confused. Yeah. And it would be a lot of sitting down, my bum would go numb, and I'm, you know, trying to absorb all this information, which by about halfway through the day, I was like... Uh, too much yeah. I couldn't absorb yeah. and with my seminar it's just about as much having fun as it is about learning you know there's only so much that someone's going to absorb in a day so my seminar is much more of an experience and an event than it is a learning process yeah. I'm not going to sit you down in front of a whiteboard and draw pictures yeah. I'm not going to make you sit and watch me lift for five hours it's a practical experience for people. Yeah. Um, I personally learn really well practically when I'm actually trying things myself. Um, it's a very fun and interactive seminar. Um, I'm going to be taking people through um, mobility to begin with, of course. Yeah. During that process, um, a lot of it's like giving people the... I'm not going to give people all the answers that they need to hear, but I'm telling them why they're doing stuff so that they can truly believe in it yeah. and giving real experiences as to how it's working and why it's going to help people so that when they take that away at the end of the day they'll they'll know why they're doing something and that's really important for me um once we progress through the fundamentals of mobility we move on to the snatch and again it's probably the most technical movement that you can learn to do in a gym yeah. i break it down and make take people through a simple process um that they can go through whether they've walked in the gym and never even heard of what a snatch is versus yourself competed in olympic weightlifting you'll get equally as much out of it yeah. because it's still for me as an elite athlete the basic stuff that i do wrong that causes me to miss lifts yeah um so Again, we'll go through that process and then towards the end of that snatch session, I like to give people the opportunity to try and hit a new PB. Nice. Um, and so much for me about having a great session and the whole reason why Big Friday supplies is the thing is the type of energy that a Big Friday has. Yeah. So I like to create that vibe, crank the tunes up, yeah. get everyone to bounce off each other and vibe and naturally that results in a lot of people hitting new personal bests and yeah. Um, achieving things they haven't done before which is great um, and then I do like a little bit of a talk and a demo to show some crazy stuff with the barbell but again during that period I'm talking through you know stuff that people can relate to in terms of what I do when I miss a lift what I do when I'm having a bad session because all of these things happen to you whether you're a good athlete or a bad athlete and I don't think I've, I was ever told like, how to deal with that stuff. Yeah. So I like to really dive into the psychological side of Olympic weightlifting um, and give some real-life practice that people can take away because as much as it's great me talking about the Olympic Games, 
very few people will be able to necessarily relate to right, that scenario. Yeah. Yeah. So I like to give people stuff that they can really go away with that's going to relate to their life, you yeah. know, coming home from a hard day at work and wanting to go to the gym. How do you tackle that process of making sure you pull your boots on and go to the gym? Yeah. Um, that sort of thing. Because everyone has bad days, everyone has stress, yeah. everyone has, and I think that's the stuff that. Yeah, so we'll touch on that. we'll touch on that a lot in the seminar. Um, do a bit of a Q and A, and then the final part of the day will be on clean and jerk, and we'll have a little max out at the end. So Lovely. it's a it's a real fun fun packed day. You know, it's an experience of training and seeing what I do. Yeah. Um, hanging out with your mates and lifting, and I just ensure that every single person that walked through that door to the seminar has at least two things that personally is going to make them better. Yeah. And I always say to people at the start and at the end, if you can leave my seminar with just two things out of everything that we'll touch on that's going to make you be a better weightlifter, then I've done my job yeah. and you've had fun. Yeah. So that's what people can expect. <laughs> Amazing. I can't wait. I'm really looking forward to the one uh, coming up in April. Um, and I think it'll be, it'll be such a nice and different experience for yeah, the so. athletes and it's nice and intimate as well yeah you well know. like i said worst case scenario people have laugh and have some fun have a great time <laughs> even if you learn nothing That's it. no we'll, we'll get a lot out of it i can't wait for it um on that note i think i could sit here for hours and pick your brain and talk about lots of other things but i know you've got a lot of things on your plate and i really really appreciate your time thank you so much for joining us no problem at all thank you um guys we will uh we'll post on the podcast um links for sunny where you can reach out and um, where to find the mobility program where to get onto the online academy and and you know any questions that you guys have got please reach out um and that's it for our episode today thank you so much Brilliant. sunny thanks for Thanks so much for joining us on the 168 Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you subscribe and follow us at 168 Podcast on socials. We'll see you next time.